This is Audrey, and you're listening to the best podcast ever, Show Bros Week in Review. Darren. Yes. I missed you. You just saw me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that is a quote from a film we just saw, and we cannot tell them what film we just saw because I think, and I, I could be wrong, I think we've got to leave the audience in suspense. We saw, and we just did, had a cinematic experience. And but you're not going to tell me anything about it. I don't think so because I don't know that we even want to tell them who our famous guest is. So I was going to say we had a cinematic experience, and one of the stars of the film we just saw, who then also did some amazing writing work, and he's producing films, and he's uh, had a book turned into a movie. Yeah, and so. I think you brought us the most famous guest yet, and we have to toe the line a little bit because by miracle, this person brings us his fans to the Shoal Bros and makes new Shoal Meisters. We could take over the world. At the very least, this episode is going to seem different tonally from the regular Shoal Bros <laughs> fair because <laughs> we, we have a legit, not only do we have a legit guest, but we did a our first joint episode. So as we've plugged many times you uh, on the show, we have other projects, uh, as you will. And uh, Tracy, the manager of The Strand, and I do Through the Lens, movie review show available where all five podcasts are found. Not just Through the Lens, but Through the Lens with Darren and Tracy. Fair, yeah. So uh, You're we, not just like in this podcast. It is. It, it, it's <laughs> in, the in the name. It's in the name. <laughs> so you know it's good. So we kind of combined episodes because this, this actor, producer, author, model. Model. Uh, male model. Yes, was very uh, generous with his time. He had been at the Strand for this event a long time. He podcast afterwards, so we joint episoded it. Yeah, and so, but I think we got. I think we got to leave people in suspense. Like, who did the Shoal Bros get for this podcast? No, right? I'm okay, I'm we okay with them now. Well, here's the thing. I think half of the Shoal Bros will not have seen the movie that we talked about because it's a cult movie. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna keep giving hints, but I'm not gonna tell it. Easter eggs, if you will. Yes. Are uh, those Easter eggs? Is that what an Easter yeah, egg is? Easter egg is kind of like a callback reference to like something. So I think it was more of hints. Breadcrumbs. Breadcrumbs. Hansel and, and, and Gretel. 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 Vampire Hunters, whatever that movie is. So yeah. in any case, I lost my train of thought with your Hansel and Gretel reference. Oh, you're leaving breadcrumbs, bro. Leaving breadcrumbs. So the bros uh, are leaving breadcrumbs to the Schulmeisters, but they're not part of. Any countries. No shulmanation. No shulmanation here. But you just allowed me to say the bros, by the way. You were really adamant I'm against the bros I'm trying to be professional because here's the other reason why we're going to be normal. I'm hoping that our guest actually listens to the episode. Not happening. But if he does, I don't want it to be like normally ridiculousness. Like See, I want that's to what like I'm saying. Know. That's the problem because let's say our guest does listen to this episode and he's got his one, we've got one shot to show him who we are. No, unfortunately, we had our shot to show him who we were and I think... I think you missed. <laughs> so, so tr- I, I'm not. I'm just gonna give a preview because I can't. I can't. I can't hold it in any longer. It. So Tracy asked a, a very novel, weird, good question. Everyone acknowledged it was off the wall, but good. Wait, so before you give your view of the world, can I give my view of the world? <laughs> you know where I'm going, so <laughs> I, I'll, I'll I'll pull the car over to the side. Yeah, and, and let you. I'll idle it while you get to interlude here. I just want to. I want to share my side first before I get the truth out. <laughs> I want to, before you try to distort and bend the truth to your will and mislead the public about what they're going to hear in moments, 
right? Minutes away. They're minutes away. Maybe hours, depending on how long you explain. Go ahead. Minutes away from, there's a couple of things that tease this. Most famous guest yet, I guess, by some dimensions, he's the most by, famous. By some dimensions, clearly the most famous. I don't know, like Noah Applebaum and doing the producers and Captain Risky. He's, he, this guy's less famous in Australia. Maybe. I mean, we don't know that for sure. Has there's a chance There's a chance that Captain Risky is more famous in Australia, but we don't know. Oh, man. We need to ask Australians. If any Schulmeister out there is Australian, let us know after you listen to this episode. Who's Did you most know famous? Captain Risky or this All right, guy? So you but need, definitely more famous here in the U.S. You need to I keep think. this tight. So give me your side of the story. <laughs> First of all, I told you that if we have this person listen to this episode, he needs to know who we are. No, he doesn't. He'll never do work with us again if he knows who we are. We need to look professional for one episode, hold it together. All right. Hold it together for the Shulmanation. <laughs> no, I don't like it. Or do we in, do we shulminate? No, no, no. This episode. We we've already canceled ourselves on that. So okay, so please no give your explanation. Dude, okay, I'm trying I'm to impress this guy and All you're right. just ruining it again. Again. <laughs> okay. This so is the second time you've ruined my chance. This is my one chance. <laughs> I got one shot. All right. For our guest, I'm going to play this cool. So we normally, I'm going to just apologize to the Schulmeisters because normally. No, I don't want this. I want you to tell me. I pulled the car on the road. It's idling. You're wasting my gas. What is your side of the story? Oh, yeah. See, so the, it's a little testier than normal. <laughs> I'm getting mad. What, what did Simha say? We do something ribaldry. Ribald, probably. Either way. He said that we rib each other. No, I don't know. That we're not insidious. He used a big word. Anyway, we're banter <laughs> is funny without being insidious. This is tight, Darren. This is tight. So here's my side of the story. We only had one mic, so we couldn't laugh at each other. Like, we gave him the dignity of holding his own mic, which he was grateful for. He actually said that was one of his favorite parts about the podcast, that he got his own mic and didn't have to wear a headset. Yeah. That's kind of like... Again, I'm not spoiling things, but that did happen. <laughs> that was one of his favorite parts of the podcast. <laughs> it wasn't, shows you how well it went. It wasn't your question, <laughs> which she, I'm still trying to talk about. She was... She's very nice. <laughs> 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 what did you think of the blind date? It's much nicer than I expected. It, it, it ended. Okay, so <laughs> all right, so you, the car we had one like. mic, and you were holding it, and you were very serious. There was not there was there. You were like I was fanboying. Trying to I wasn't fanboying because I was like ee, but I was trying to be a very serious interviewer. Like yes, look like that's had, what it was. You weren't yeah. fanboying, but you were a little bit of a fan and a little bit of Darren. You were through the lens of Darren and Tracy. You had. Two personas, two D versus two hats in one person. I, I was like, and you know, when the multiverse people combine, like something bad happens. So I get that, but again, you haven't explained your question. No, that, there's that's that's the whole story is that you were in two D verses at once. You were like everything, everywhere at once, and like the glass shattered, and I was witnessing it: the successful Darren and the Shulbros Darren, and all the D verses came together, and it exploded in in your brain. And, and and I snapped. So what happened was Tracy asked this question. It was kind of off the wall. Like I wasn't digging it, but like he dug it. I liked it. Jeffrey loved it. I kind of was begrudgingly impressed by it uh, because first Jeffrey set up a legit, like a weird parameter of what we had to try to accomplish. With that was interview. a fail. That was a total fail. Epic fail. Like <laughs> That's you a couldn't disaster even, artist, if you will. It, yeah. You you and then and, and then you. <laughs> and then she, and I she, had like a complicated scoring mechanism. It, like it all made it, sense, any sense to anyone, including me. And then you handed the mic to me, like you wanted the mic I gave to you, and you just threw it at me, and I was yep. like, I'm cold. So anyway, so I definitely sunk you. I definitely like I I put I very clearly put some quicksand 
I let you see the quicksand, and, and then, you and said, then I threw you, you in threw the quicksand. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? Oh, I have to talk now? But the best part was, like, you had your kind of own experience of what, like, we talk about in the interview, because Tracy asked her question, and then you asked yours, and it was, it was like this dream you had just <laughs> crushed in front of your eyes. It was such a bad question. I couldn't even save you. But Tracy and the guests were like, what? Okay. And it was only thing that was missing was that record scratch. And I was like, oh, we're done. So we didn't give it our best Shulbro's effort. We didn't give it our best through the lens of Darren and Tracy. Tracy brought her A game. Um, Tracy brought her A game. Our guest brought his A game. Like he was, he was playing the same. He gave off the same energy you gave off, which is like, this is a serious press junket tour, and I'm gonna let people like actually know the meaning of friendship. And like he was, like, uh, he was like legit. Like we I were interviewing, we were interviewing like a professional. And yeah, he was like falling for the fact that we might have been professional, which is what made the your fail. It's what made your fail so bad because it was like. <laughs> I'm like asking him kind of serious <laughs> questions, trying to put a little bit of personality in there. And you're like, I'm just going to ask a ridiculous question that you're like the guy who gets sent to the red carpet to ask the purposely bad questions just to see how the stars react. Except I think you were trying to ask good questions, which I really think is an allegory for this movie that we talked about. Like you actually, you know, in retrospect, maybe that was the perfect it was, question. It was meta, man. It was it very was meta. So it was meta. meta. How do you feel when you think you're doing something that you pour your heart into and it ends up being completely horrible? Well, you know now. <laughs> Yeah, you you read it spot on. I was like, this this is gonna turn it back to Shulbros. <laughs> I'm gonna save this, I'm this. gonna make this conversation not save because it was a great like everything was great of what you were doing, but for through the lens with Darren and Tracy, like it just had a different it had a different D verse, and I was like, I'm gonna break the glass, pull them into this D verse, throw down some Shulbros, bring out some of the. Shulmeister's He's gonna love it because all eight people like it. So why wouldn't this kind of famous guy like it? And and yeah, you saw it on my face, like the. What do I do now? That didn't go as well. <laughs> that didn't go. I thought it. But would. he he was a very gracious guest. Um, we have a great guest coming up, and I have some monkey news for you. Well, it wouldn't be a Shulbros without monkey news. It's not a Shulbros. Stone fragments made by some monkeys found to resemble ancient human ancestor tools. Study finds. Like current monkeys make ancient style tools? Stone fragments produced by macaques. It's always the macaques. Yeah, they're always doing up to no good. <laughs> <laughs> I should have asked him, what is your favorite species of monkey? I would have jumped with you on that boat. Like we might have sunk, but we would have sunk together. Didn't we ask the last guy that? Like that could have been our re it, recurring. It kind of theme. came up like we were asking about monkeys. Like I don't know a different kind of monkeys. I'm like, what? Yeah. So we should have just asked every guest, "What's your favorite monkey?" But yeah. we didn't. Um, but our guest does love dolphins. He does. Why? We can't go over every question, but he's cool. <laughs> we can't go. Let's spend forty minutes. Yeah. Saying we'll keep it I tight because I still have a hope that he might tune in. He's so. tuning in, man, and he's getting monkey news right now. Stone fragments produced by macaques in Thailand have been found to bear similarities to early human ancestor tools unearthed in some of the earliest archaeological sites in East Africa. So researchers from the Max Planck Institute for Evolutionary Anthropology. Max Planck is a famous scientist, by the way. But this, he's got an institute now. I mean, he's dead. He was like from like Europe or something. Somebody has an institute and they slapped his name on it. Yeah, exactly. They analyzed tools. Some say, I think it's pr <laughs> pronounced. Oh, no. 
Oh, I don't know what's coming, and I'm I nervous. I can't say it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna cancel. Can I see that. your phone? I was just gonna say. I was just gonna say that word differently. Yeah, don't don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> I mean, it's not the time or place. Actually, it's never the time or place for that. <laughs> they, they took a look at the tools. <laughs> they did, and uh, they. <laughs> Can you imagine if you said that word? Sorry, this is horrible. Keep it professional. So they used long-tailed macaques in the Feng Noa National Park in Thailand that used stones to crack open hard nut, hard-shelled nuts. <laughs> I, I get the point, man. These are smart monkeys. <laughs> These are really smart monkeys. And they they published this in Science, a very reputable met, uh, um, outlet. And they found that the fragments resulting from the monkey's use of stones bear the same characteristics commonly used to identify intentionally made stone tools by early human homonym ancestors. So here's the deal, dude. You don't have to read the rest of the article because <laughs> people can read it about themselves. But yeah. I will say this. Tracy's not going to send this out. There's no way she's sharing this. Tracy's not even listening this far. She's done. She's like, <laughs> she said five minutes. She heard her name, and she's like, this is gold. I'm just sending it out. <laughs> I'm just gonna pass this along. Oh my gosh! I think I think it's worthy of sending because it's monkeys. They're learning about science, man. It's in science. That's a real thing. Seriously, that's a real publication. So on that note, Darren, close out the intro. How do you like to pass it on to our best interviewee, most famous guest yet? That I had a. Disaster. I hope I hope your list. You had you definitely had a disaster. You you brought it to a new art form. You oh, like the breadcrumbs I'm dropping uh, here? Super breadcrumbs. Yes. I, I just want, if, if you're still listening, guest, uh, we appreciate your time. Tracy, I'm sorry. I tried to keep it real for you, but Jeff just, just ruined it for you. And I know he's your favorite, so you got what you deserve. And with that, is that the BBC playing a little tune for us? Oh, that's a great outro. And we're just stealing it. <laughs> we're just going to steal it. It's not, it might, if it's copyrighted, it's just going on in the background. But now, our most famous guest yet author of the disaster audio <laughs> you can't even get it right come on man you're killing me you're straight up murdering me <laughs> author of the disaster artist uh, all right everybody welcome to a very special episode of both through the lens with darren and tracy and the Shoal Bros Week in Review, which I guess makes this either through the Week in through the Shoal Bros or Shoal Bros the Lens. I don't know. So anyway, I've got Tracy and Jeff, and a very very special guest uh, for fans of Shoal Bros Week in Review. We are always trying to get the most famous guest on, and I think we've actually accomplished that today. So Tracy, would you introduce our esteemed guests of this joint podcast episode? Sure. Our esteemed guest is Greg Sestero, the one, the only Greg Sestero, who is the co-star of The Room, who is the author of The Disaster Artist, who that was made into a movie, and he is also a model, and he speaks a bunch of languages, and he is awesome. Okay, Tracy, you, you did such a nice introduction at the event today, and you just fangirled out this time. Yeah, you were very professional, so we are here at the Historic Strand Theater. There was an amazing event tonight. Uh, we did a screening of The Room. I don't want to do any spoilers, but it's been called the best worst movie of all time. We're going to discuss that. Um, we did a screening. Greg was nice enough to show up himself, do a question and answer session. So, Greg, welcome. Great to be here. Yeah, it's one of my favorite events of the year so far. So, thank you. You're to just you guys. saying that. So, we have to start with the elephant in the room. I'm sure you're asked this all the time, but 
do you feel like The Room is one of the worst movies of all time, or is that kind of a overplayed? Because it is very enjoyable. I think, to me, a bad movie is one that is physically painful to watch. That you're just like, please put me out of my misery. Turn this off. I don't care what happens. I don't connect to any character. But The Room is not like that. I mean, from the moment it starts, you have questions. So many questions. <laughs> you're giddy. You're laughing. You want to bring people in on it. So I think whatever The Room does, it does what our favorite great movies do. It just does it in a way that's so disconnected that it veers off into a different form of entertainment. So therefore, I think it's its own sort of genre because like, is it a drama? No. Is it a comedy? No. It's just, it's just entertainment. And, and I think, you know, the best worst movie, like it makes sense because, yeah, I get both of those, but it's watchable. I think that's what I've taken away. And people love it so much. Like I went to a wedding and they had a screening of it. At the wedding? At their wedding. And they met because of this movie. So something has got to have, like I've connected over people with movies like Back to the Future and the original Star Wars. Like people connect with the room in the same way I did those. So I don't know. I don't, it's been a mystery to me for 20 years, but as we sit here, we got to figure out that it brings people joy. So it's got to be good at something. I want to talk a little bit about the history of the room for people who might not know it, because actually Peyton, who used to work at the Strand, turned me on to this movie, but my understanding is this this director, Tommy Wiseau, started putting up billboards, and it was about the room, and people were like, what is this movie? What's going to be? And it, it really only showed a little bit, and then it kind of blew up. Can you kind of give us sort of the straight dope on the backstory so people know what we're talking about here? So we made this movie in the summer of 2002. Um, it was released, uh, the first public screening was released on June 27, 2003. And I figured that was it. And but uh, what Tommy did is he he put a billboard up in Hollywood, um, and that billboard stayed up for five years. And he hosted screenings once a month, the last Saturday of every month in L.A. And it caught traction. These these film students discovered it and they fell in love with it, and they single handedly pushed this movie on people. And it got into a few festivals and it became a crowd favorite. Something to do in L.A every month and three four years later five years later these celebrity comedians discovered it seth rogan and jonah hill would go see it um they brought edgar wright the director to go see it Kristen bell was a big fan it had this underground cult that kept growing and um i was in disbelief when i found out like by 2008 2009 that the movie was was some the thing to do in la every month like it would sell out on all five screens. This entire Damn. theater would show the room on all five screens. Like it, 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 that's just something that you couldn't believe happened. So, um, you know, by 2010, it started showing around the world. It was in New York, LA, um, London. And so I went to, to a screening in New York with Tommy and I was just, people love this movie so much. I'm like, man, if the people knew the, the story behind the making of this film, they would be blown away. Like that is an even crazier story than the room. So that's sort of where I got the idea that I wanted to write a book about this experience. But the big challenge was for this story to become its own movie. So, um, it also like, I'd say seven years in is when the next steps started. It started screening internationally. And then I started to write the book 10 years after it came out. Um, the book came out and three weeks after disaster came out, uh, James Franco and Seth Rogen called. So it was just one of those star stories when James Franco was reading the book, he's like, 
this is one of the craziest Hollywood stories that I've ever, I've ever read. Like I remember seeing that billboard and, um, and it was just something that he really felt people could relate to. And so that's sort of what I wanted to do with the book was tell a story about friendship, following your dreams that anybody could relate to. So Darren and I are uh, brothers and we have our listeners are called Schulmeisters because our last name is Schulman. Very clever, <laughs> I'm sure. And so that you just gave them the blueprint, our eight Schulmeisters, if they could just be like those film students in L.A., you need to get a billboard and then we could just oh, become yeah, yeah. international, man. Yeah, so if we can get our eight people to just push us through a billboard, we can be as famous as ever. And we're probably about the quality level uh, thereof. So uh, I had seen The Room before and The Disaster Artist. You had not seen The Room, Jeff. So I tried to explain it to you as best I could. Can do you care to share your sort of first reactions? That was something else, man. That was just an experience. This, this crowd really <laughs> understood what it needed to be. Their interaction, like, they get it here. There, uh, so hats off to Tracy for bringing together all those people and for you to come all the way out here to catalyze that group to come together. I did not know what to expect, but that was, a, that was an experience, man. That's the only way to, to describe it. Um, except for that one guy. There was one dude who thought that, like, Tracy gathered all those people to listen to him. And I thought he went a little, <laughs> a little too much on, on the yelling the things. But um, all right, I just need to set the stage and I'll give it back to you since you did all your homework and this is you're, you're fanning out. Can you do us a favor? You've been doing this now 20 years, right? Uh, talking to different people. Anytime that I, if you could just before you answer our questions, just give us a scale of it's people think it's clever, but you've been asked it 100 times uh, is maybe a five. And then a three being like, yeah, that's obvious, and everybody asks it. And then a, a zero, we'll do a one, is like the best. It's like, yeah, that's the first time you've ever heard that. I don't know if you can remember that numer numerical scale. One bad, one bad, five is like, no, one is a good question, five is a bad question. I just want to know like the ones that we think are really unique, but you've just heard over and over and over again, and the ones that you're like, yeah, that's obvious, you sh that's a low-hanging fruit, and you could do better. And then like, you know, some that are just like, wow, that was surprising. Let's ditch the num numerical score because I can't even remember what I threw out there, but just let us know. You know, I think you need to be rated, but go ahead, Darren. Let's see if you get a five, a three, or a one here. Wait, you set up an overcomplicated question <laughs> scoring mechanism, turned it over to me, and then put me on the pressure. This is horrible. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> now I have blindness. To it. Um, <laughs> when you were going through the process, no, now I, can, now I have all these questions, but we already asked him in the room, and he's going to say, I heard that five minutes ago. Oh, here's one. What is your favorite line? From the movie and it doesn't have to be your own because it if people haven't seen the room it's full of non sequiturs swerves and, and dialogue quotable lines do you have a favorite i would say leave your stupid comments in your pocket <laughs> that's a good one that's a, that's not one that i think i saw in people's shirts did you see the people come in with the yeah they had like 10 different shirts but they didn't have that one uh this is not your line so i hope you're not offended but my favorite is well, it's official. I've got breast cancer. And they're like, okay, let's just keep talking. So I love one that where it makes no sense because he talked about like an underwear story. He's like, oh, I left my underwear. And then Tommy's like, that's life. <laughs> it's life, yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's love. Really? That's whose life? No, he doesn't want to, I don't want to know that my question sinks and he's heard it. Th he's been doing it for like 20 years. There's no question about the room. That I, I got it. Yeah, I get asked that one quite a bit. My favorite line. Thanks, I mean, Jeff. It's, it's a very, it's, I mean, it's one that I would ask too. Good set. Okay, so that's a three. That's a good one. 
Okay, okay, I've got a question, Greg. It's not about the room, but this will definitely be the question to end all questions. No, I'm going to do it right now because you guys can't keep up. Um, if you were on a merry-go-round, what would the song, what is the song that would be playing and what is the animal you would be riding? Yes. It's so random. You are getting the microphone. He is going to walk out of here and be like, that is ridiculous. He's what, oh, on the merry-go-round, which animal? And which song? I would be riding... A dolphin. Ooh, riding dolphins is legit. And I'd be listening to Kokomo by the Beach Boys. You know, that kind of flows with dolphins. That, okay, bizarre question. Yeah. Bizarrely awesome answer. <laughs> is that the first time? Is that the first yeah. time someone's asked that? Tracy what? for the win. I win. All right, you win, Tracy. I, I was, it's bizarre. Um, it landed, though. We were able to get a, a coherent answer that sort of, like, we can see it. Yeah, Kokomo's great. Dolphins are great. You connected us all in a, in a plane that I didn't expect to go to tonight. And wh isn't that like from I'm on a boat riding a dolphin? Isn't that in the I'm on a boat? Yeah. There is a song called I'm on a boat on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. So I don't think he got it from that, I'm guessing. But so I just love dolphins. So when we, t he's going to be like, this is the worst podcast I've ever been on. You can't top riding on a merry-go-round for no reason. Other, you know, there's no merry-go-rounds in the movie. You know what? Yeah, it's been kind of a long day, so I thought you said, like, what I thought you said was a Ferris wheel. So I'm like, can you ride an animal on a Ferris wheel? You can, actually, a monkey. Okay. I, mean, I don't think you could ride. I'm not sure they make animals other than horses on merry-go-rounds either. You'd have to bring a live I think animal. with special merry-go-rounds, they do. Okay, so let's dig into your question, Tracy. Is this a wooden version of a dolphin, or is he actually riding a live dolphin? Live dolphin. Oh, that just got weirder. Okay, back to the movie, which is why you're here. Um, but Disaster Artist, you know, the, your talk speech today, um, and, you know, the book. Can you talk about, like, your friendship with Tommy? It seems like kind of a weird, almost like the relationship in the movie, where you're, you're kind of buddies, but it also sounds like he's kind of bizarre. Like, Friends. Well, I don't, I don't want to give him that word. Let him answer it. Yeah, I just one of those things where, like, you meet timing in life. You meet somebody who sort of is a buddy. You connect at that point in your life opposites attract and we were just two people who really were passionate about movies and acting and something we could just talk about all day and we believed it could happen and so um you know he was uh he was older than me and he was very mysterious but had a great sense of humor and i just being or sometimes being around someone like that they kind of take all your problems your reality away and you kind of think hey I'm just floating on this weird, weird ride and something good's going to happen. And so I just kind of went with it. And where does that, uh, is that the common question or the like unique question? But I'm only upset. Yeah, but it's always an interesting one because it's something that we can all relate to. Like we all like the friendship aspect, like the movie's the movie. It's like it was shot a certain way. You know, it's clearly it's not very good for, for on, on, a, on a normal scale. But friendship's always intriguing because it's always evolving. Love it. Uh, you have a legit question? I don't know if it's going to be a one or whatever, but it seems like Lisa's the main girlfriend, right? She kind of, everyone kind of hates her, right? Like coming out of the movie, her character, she's kind of bad. Like you kind of are a problem in this movie too. Do people like not like your role? Cause you kind of are bad, it's but you're kind of good. I, mean, I, I kind of like, ah, see good question. Jeff. I kind of escaped the whole thing. Like, you know, Tommy's got his 
pants off in all the sex scenes. I kept my <laughs> jeans on. Yeah. You know, I kind of skirt around those problems. I'm sort of seems like some, I seem like somebody who doesn't want to be there. And so therefore <laughs> I think the audience kind of can sense that and relate to you. Um, and so I think that's why Mark's sort of like less of a target. Cause Lisa does get some hate, right? Like, yeah, no, it's just something like there's not really anything redeeming for her. She has some really funny lines though. I don't know if, I don't know if she meant it. Um, Jeff, you had a question. I stole it from you cause I had a good one. Tracy has one. You got nothing, Tracy? Oh, she okay. just, she, she tapped out on, on a high oh, note. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to try to top Tracy's question. And this one ties back to earlier episodes of the Shul Bros. Um, if you were watching your favorite TV show and it was interrupted to, to, for breaking news of a monkey trying to drink chocolate milk through a straw desperately, would you be angry or happy? Video. Video of I the monkey be, trying to drink monkey. I would be intrigued. See, that's why they put it on the news, man. No? Did that fall flat? Yeah, <laughs> fell flat? You never got asked that one, though, before, did you? No. We can come up with tons of just really dumb, inane questions that we don't think he's asked before, but that doesn't make them good. I think that's the, the problem with this, this podcast so far. You are in the film industry. Do you have a favorite movie? I want two, two favorite movies. I want favorite movie like that you just enjoy, you love, and then I want like maybe your favorite movie like from a technical standpoint, like this is a, quote, good movie, because The Room probably technically the worst movie ever made, but it's very enjoyable. So what do you enjoy? And then what's the best movie you've kind of seen? Um, I really love the social network, social network and Zodiac. Uh, I really loved a movie called the Revenant. Oh, with the was, bear, which I thought was beautiful, really well done, very visceral. Um, and one of my all time favorites is uh, sunset Boulevard. Those are some classic, classic movies. So I want to pivot away to, from the room cause everyone's going to go see it and they're going to enjoy it for themselves. No, I have some about the room. I got like, okay, 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 okay. Okay, so you mentioned some great movies. What do you think about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Oh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. That was, a, that was sort of an inspiration for uh, um, Miracle Valley, the horror movie that I made. Excellent. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Just so you know why she asked that question, I am the one person admittedly in America who hated that movie. And I realized, actually, it's the genesis of my question because I recognize that people like it. I hated every minute of it. What, what, uh, what missed for you? There was so many plot. Actually, it was a lot like The Room, which is I'm sure I'm the first person to ever compare it. There was a lot of plot kind of things that they laid out, but they never circled back and connected them. I mean, do we want to? I think, I think the thing for me is like the era, the soundtrack was great. It was sort of just getting a chance to hang out during that time. Um, I don't think of that movie in the sense of plot. I think of it just like chilling with it. You know, lots of yeah. driving, cool cars. Um, but like, if you look at it in the way you're talking about, I can totally understand. Like, where. you know, they go to the ranch where um, the Manson family is and they see him. So you're kind of setting up seeing him again and recognizing him. And that's a plot twist. But then they never saw him again. So it's like, why do we go to this ranch? And like, there's just a lot of like weird. And at the end that you think some, I hated it. So anyway, can I talk about his other projects now? Uh, the Room, you, you know probably your most famous for but you've done other stuff so can you talk about some of your other projects so uh yeah i wrote the disaster artist which became came the movie did uh, you get a cameo in that i did but it we, we ended up cutting it out because it just didn't didn't really work 
Uh, I would never cut out my cameo, by the way. If I'm in that movie, even if it like tanks the whole thing, like that's making it in there. (laughs) It was, yeah, the the whole storyline about the Puppet Master movie just didn't work. So, um, but I ended up writing a movie called Best Friends, which is a, a story about Tommy and I reuniting. Tommy plays a vampire mortician. I play a homeless man, and he picks me up and offers me a job at his morgue. And I discover that he has a fortune in gold teeth that he doesn't know he has. It's just sitting there as trash. So I grab some and start selling them and and start making profit. And I start getting greedy. And then one time I go to get it, and he catches me. And he's a vampire. He looks like, I mean. Oh, he's not like a legit like. Yeah, he just, he's like a a mortician that that looks like a vampire. Gotcha. I mean, he doesn't have like fangs like a sleeping. She should have had fangs. (laughs) Um, And then I'm like, dude, like we could benefit off this. And it becomes sort of like a simple plan, breaking bad, kind of weird, twisty story. So we made that and it ended up becoming two volumes. Lionsgate released it. And then after that, I wrote and directed a horror thriller 70s based once upon a time in hollywood style but better the old car old cars and sets um and then that came out it's coming out this year um did some screenings of it last year and then um, now working on a ufo abduction film yeah you cut you cut a trailer for us at the thing and it looked pretty awesome like it looked like it actually had some legit special effects yeah no we're gonna we're gonna do something totally different we're gonna be filming it in roswell New Mexico. So you just got the real aliens to just star in it so you didn't have to do any special effects. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this seems really complicated, all the CGI crap. Let's just see if they'll cameo. So yeah. I sent them the script and they um, they said, yeah, why not? I don't know if you're wanting to talk about this, but my wife, Marcia, sent me the uh, trailer for Big Shark. And I think you mentioned it today, so maybe and I think it's kind of come out, rolling yeah, out. Yeah, they're doing some screens of it. Um, I, it um, looks awesome, by the way. I'm not actually in it. I helped Tommy kind of put it together. Because you're, um, you're in the cr- like you're on the kind of like billing yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think we made a trailer like four years ago for it. But um, no, it's I think it's something that, that people will really have a, a you know a good time with, especially watching it with the crowd. You made me all self conscious now. Like you've, I made you self conscious. Now you made me self conscious. We're, we're tanking, man. We're tanking. Save us, Greg. <laughs> You're legit. That's the problem. You're too legit. Too legit to quit. Um, all right. So uh, Tracy showed my movie here. Uh, so I did a documentary about Once upon four a years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and so my question for you is for all the budding filmmakers out there, uh, what is your advice that, uh, yeah, what is, what is your two pieces of, of advice that you would give to somebody who's trying to tour the country and have people excited and connect with your art. Uh, I think um, one of the things is I've noticed is, and I, I, I've done this too with projects you want to make or things you want to try. It's always tomorrow or next month. Or I think you got to act like, Hey, I got, I don't know how much time I have. And now is the time to really take it seriously and really make something. Um, and, and, and the positions when I, when I put that pressure on myself, or sort of given that mandate, like I went out and made best friends. I could have sat back and just waited and disaster artists had been shot. And I'm like, okay, I have some time. What, what am I going to do? And best friend, it was such a great gift because the momentum as a filmmaker and as a creator, when you start, it just, things go into action. You meet people, you just start attracting um, energy 
that you need to make stuff. And so once that starts, just you, you start rolling. So if you keep pushing it off or don't really put that vibe out there, then, you know, you're never going to make your project. So I think you'd really just got to start that next day and, and just put it out there and, and go for it. And then were you happy or disappointed that you got the, the, the wrong Franco playing you? Right. Wasn't it the little Franco instead of the famous Franco? Yeah. I mean, I think when, when, uh, when James first reached out about doing the book, I thought like we're too similar in the sense of both the same age. Like you wouldn't want to relive a story that, you know, so it was like definitely the Tommy role that I think was the challenge as an actor. Um, and, and I think I was a lot more relatable, you know, as a guy who, you know, wasn't as eccentric. So I think it kind of made sense to have that balance. Now, when I was writing the book, my casting choices were Javier Bardem to play Tommy. He had that oh, brooding, for, yeah, that would work. Brooding accent, intensity, and then it was like Ryan Gosling or Zac Efron at the time, who I thought would be a Greg balance of very different. But I'm just happy the movie got made. So this is not an original question. I'm owning it now, but I think it's helpful for people like us who put art out there that no one necessarily relates to or likes. So how did Talk about your sort of phases of acceptance from like, you know, when it first came out, I think you've spoken that you're kind of embarrassed and like this, this is horrible. And now it's kind of like you've embraced it. Can you talk about how like from the beginning it was like, this is not so good and now it's good. Cause I think that's I what's think, gonna happen to us. I think it's what was unique for me is I knew Tommy four years before we made the movie. So we had this friendship and I, and I, I was sort of a fan of just his humor and his character before we even made a movie. So for me, I was really intrigued with other people find him funny would they laugh at the thing, same things I laughed at? So I was never embarrassed from a professional standpoint because I didn't expect anything professional from the room. You know, it's like if you make a thing with your buddy and he wants to be a musician, you, you know, you're on the album, you're like, okay, this is just support. It's not like a real, it's not going to go anywhere. So when it started to gain traction, it was just fascinating to me. You know, it wasn't like, oh no, people are going to recognize me. It was almost like, hey dude, like, how did you find this? What do you think of it? It was a very different thing than if you got properly cast in something and it was like through an agency and you had hopes for it. So I think that completely changes the dynamic when it comes to the room. It's more of like an experiment. Okay, so I want to be sensitive to your time. The, one of our bits that we do on the Shoal Bros Week in Review is a thing we call real or fake. So we will give you a tagline or a pitch for a movie and the group, because I write it, has to decide if it's real or fake. And you should do very well because you are in the industry, so you probably know everything. So are you guys ready for real or fake? Here it is. A group of mercenaries on an off-the-book mission unwittingly awake an ancient evil in the Colombian jungle. Yes, a group of mercenaries on an off-the-book mission unwittingly awaken an ancient evil in the Colombian jungle. And I'm going to hand the mic to Tracy so you can all discuss. I think real. Okay, so a group of mercenaries travel to where they go? Columbia. Colombian jungle. Okay, so I'm thinking it's like Anaconda, but with different people. What do you think, Greg? Seems real. like it's been done before. Yeah. I'd say, uh, say real. All right. So if you both say real, when was it made? Who stars in it? And is it like kitschy on purpose or is it, uh, is it like serious, you know, just, you know, 
I think Arnold Schwarzenegger stars in it. Okay. What about you, Tracy? Okay, so Tracy says maybe Bruce Willis. That would be good too. I think I'm with her. It sounds like Anaconda, but you said ancient. Ancient evil. And then the predator is ancient evil, but I don't think that was in the Colombian jungle. That wasn't a jungle. Stargate. Stargate? Stargate. Tracy says Stargate. I'm going fake, and here's why. I think you know Greg has a production company. I know you wanted to star in your own film, and this is your chance to pitch him on his next uh, adventure. And you could play. Who would he play? Like, what character in this movie would this guy play? The court jester. Well, to answer your question, it's clear that if I was starring in this movie, I'm like the mercenary who is like weak and wears glasses and like tells jokes and gets offed first. Like it's clear that I don't make it very far in the movie. So um, I'm going to give you the answer, but I have to give you a caveat. What? Um, I have to give a caveat, which is oftentimes I make up a movie that I'm pretty sure is original and we have found that like it might be on my DVD shelf. So I, I think it's fake, but I always offer people the ability to show me I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, I made this up. It's like got a lot of stuff to it. You listed all the things it was like, but I kind of smushed it in. Because uh, uh, yeah, it's strange. Yeah, it, it's like it's close, but it's not specific. Yeah, it's very vague, but like, you know, that's kind of happens. So I, I didn't come up with the idea of like actually pitching it to you because I didn't know that was an option. But if you would like to make this movie, I will option it for the expensive price of zero dollars and a cameo. Uh, so if we... Just flip first you would not you'd be like the weapons guy like the one who can't fight anybody but you're the tech guy and you're supposed to stay in the van and then they need you or you get killed in the van and that's how we first meet whatever ancient evil is if we had to rewrite that as a comedy greg and, and tracy how would you rewrite this mercenaries going down the like where do you bring the humor into it how do you make it instead of an action movie but a comedy anybody who i would um I would have made that Dumb and Dumber too, where they those guys are like, you know, required to, to do that. Instead of going with the the bikini girls, they take on this whole adventure and they basically play that plot. I would make it like the Darren's character would be like the character in Turning Red, where they'd change. They'd change, like, body types and the persona, like, with a sneeze or with something. Wait, I'm, like, on mute now? Yes. All right. I don't know if that's, a, I don't know if that's an upgrade or a downgrade back then, because I think. It's a downgrade. <laughs> you got to use, like, a positive note. I don't know. That sounds like some sort of, like, if, like, yeah, you, I don't know. I, I think that that means you think very highly of him. That yeah. she wants to cast you as somebody who turns hunky, like keep your personality, but like lose all of this. That <laughs> all of this. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Well, Darren, it's uh, your show. Close it up. Thanks for digging me a hole. Greg, I want to thank you for coming on, bearing with our stupid questions. I think out of the three of us, Tracy asked the most original, Jeff asked the worst, and I asked the best. I could say that because I'm holding the mic. But we really do appreciate you spending time. I also want to thank you for coming to the Strand. Uh, it was a great turnout tonight. I think Delaware is much better for it. And I think the world, this is going to sound over the top, but I mean it. The world is better for your performance in the room. <laughs> so thanks so much for joining thank us. Thank you, guys. Oh, dude, I had a perfect ending. I nailed it. Okay. 
Schulmeisters listen to us. There's eight of them, but what do you want them to do next? Like uh, follow you on any sort of social medias or yeah, like, what on, do you want I'm from on our social listeners? media at Greg Sestero. I'll be announcing more stuff about the UFO movie. And um, I definitely, we should all do this again sometime later this year, next year and um, have a blast. So, so what's the timeline for the UFO movie and how could people see the trailer if they were intrigued by us saying that the trailer was awesome? It should be on my social media. Uh, and the movie title of the movie is Forbidden Sky. So That wasn't bad. It would have been nice if you thought of it before I had my sincere, <laughs> my sincere wrap-up and then you just jam that in because I don't have another sincere wrap-up. But uh, we'll let Tracy end it because, you know, I just screwed up already. Okay, so thanks for tuning in, and we will see Greg Sestero at the Strand in 2024. Yes. And we'll see Forbidden Sky. <laughs> <laughs>